0: Hey everyone, it's time again to crack open a cold one and talk real estate with Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team based in Cleveland, Ohio. We are chatting about all things real estate from agent training, real estate investing,
1: buyer and seller tips, and more. It's free beer and real estate. All right, hey, what's up everybody? Today we're gonna do our last segment on teams, sort of get into some of the structure things that people always ask. And we'll even delve into different forms of compensation. Now, everybody's different, but we'll give a few examples just to kind of help uh, people understand how teams work, uh, especially from the client perspective. You know, we often wonder, well, gosh, how, how does the client perceive a team as opposed to working with an individual agent? So definitely want to talk about how the structure of the team affects that. Uh, all right, that's the teaser. I'm Mike Ferrante with Century 21 Homestar, 21 Mike team. I run a team of about 30 agents. We're going to sell about 500 units this year. And we cover all of Northeast Ohio plus Columbus. Tony, I don't know if you knew that. We, uh, we have an agent in Columbus now and we're working on expanding into that market. So Tony Geraci, broker owner, a wealth of knowledge is on with us as always. How are you doing, yes, Tony? Yes, no,
2: I saw that. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, look, I you know pretty much the model that we use is helping business, uh, agents grow their business um, through some simple things that we have set up, and so far it's working. So, uh, but let's delve in today. What we really want to talk about is uh, kind of explaining to both agents and people in the public uh, how how teams can be structured and how that's a little different from the perspective, especially from the client perspective on uh, service, customer service uh, type standpoints. Tony, uh, you've been the first one to talk about. You know, teams can pretty much be anything. It can be uh, an individual agent with an assistant. It could be a husband and wife couple. It could be two agents that decide to team up. Those are probably the simplest structures. And I think from a client perspective, especially, not a whole lot changes as far as the customer service aspect. Isn't that right?
2: Right. Well, it all comes down to what is going to benefit the customer because you want to explain why you have it. Well, if you're, you're presenting yourself as a team, because there's some agents that don't, there are teams or team up on things, but don't present themselves as teams to the public. So if you're going to do that uh, to the public, you always should make sure you tell them what benefits them (laughs) and being uh, using yourself and being part of the team.
1: Sure, sure. So as an individual agent, I think a lot of agents ask themselves, well, I've always thought I want to start a team. You know, Is it the right time to do that? Um, I really love the millionaire real estate agent book and what they, what uh, Gary Keller talks about in that is really the first step is hiring an admin to take some of the administrative tasks off of your plate so that you can spend more time selling real estate. So even then you can technically say, I'm a team, I have an admin. So when you're talking with your clients, you can say, look, here's how this benefits you. I'm going to handle A, B, and C, which are all the agent activities. But look, when it comes to some signing of paperwork and maybe orchestrating showings and setting up the showing service, getting the lockbox put on your house and all that kind of stuff, arranging the photographer, that's going to be done by my admin. And like you said, Tony, setting expectations is so important because if I'm a solo agent and or if I'm using an admin or a helper, the clients expect that they're only going to deal with you. And if it's going to be different, you got to let them know.
2: Exactly. And then uh, we talked about this before, just making sure legally on a disclosure, having that or on the agency to make sure that uh, you got their people's approval to have other people work on their their file and know what's going on, where they're buying, what they're doing. I know we don't keep too much financial information, but some people want, you know, are very particular about what uh, they want other people to know. What they're doing.
1: So Tony, <laughs> you, you, you know that we use a team disclosure. How do you mm-hmm. see other small teams, maybe two agent teams or an agent with an admin, how do you see them disclosing that to clients? Usually
2: it's just on the agency disclosure. If it's just one or two agents, obviously two agents or more or less <laughs> on agency disclosure on a case-by-case basis, because sometimes you might not work together on, on a particular buyer or seller uh, on that. And then, gotcha. uh, then also who gets credit for that, you know, who's, uh, making sure they're on the paperwork. So sometimes teams like your team want to make sure everything's closed out for team numbers and, and, in that, and making sure that's all correct. And also uh, having a good, uh, communication with, between the agents and, and the team of what, the responsibilities for people are in compensation because occasionally as a company, as the broker, we hate to get in the middle of that. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes yeah. a couple times a year, we have to get in the middle, like uh, agents, they didn't have a clear communication of how a commission was going to be split between two agents or more. Always have a good communication, something in writing a plan. So there's no, uh, you know, someone upset to go, I thought this is it's going to be split when the commission check comes in.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. So there's two things to kind of, I'm going to reiterate here. So there's two pieces to what you just said, Tony. There's part one, which is disclosure to the client and expectations to the client. Who's going to handle what? If it's just two agents working together, calling themselves a team, like you said, you could just put that on the agency disclosure. And then typically that agent would get credit for the sale. Tony, this is a question you've heard it. Uh, you heard it Saturday. Hey, who gets credit for the sales when you're on a team? Uh, So the answer is, like many things, it depends. It depends how the team is set up. In many cases, the team leader in a bigger team is always on every deal. But in other cases where it's just two agents teaming up or an agent and and, an admin, it's just that one agent that's working on the deal who gets credit. And then the second piece of what you said, again, just reiterating here, is that whole behind-the-scenes compensation structure, highly recommend that's in writing. You know, Tony, you've seen our team agreements. And we have a very basic one-page team agreement that outlines how commissions get split. And of course ours varies based on whether it was a sphere deal, you know, if the agent, the teammate brought it in, or if it was a lead that we as the team passed to the agent, um, that I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, that's just how we do it. Uh, But each team is set up differently. Now from the client perspective, I don't think they really care how we're splitting commissions, uh, but they wanna be pretty clear on everything else. Um, But let's, so let's change gears a little bit and let's get off the topic of the really small teams and let's talk about some ways that bigger teams can be set up. And I wanted to kind of hit some quick hitters here as far as like using showing agents or having people designated as buyers agents and listing agents. Uh, I know it's not a real common way to do it, but I know teams in other areas um, and here in Ohio have agents who are specifically a buyer's agent, or a listing agent, or a showing agent. Um, Tony, what do you think is the advantage of setting up a team that way, where you have a team lead, and then these different individuals who are specialists working underneath the team lead?
2: Well, the advantage of that is, especially if you are grooming a new agent or just grooming an agent to be better at something, you know, as a team leader, obviously when you're specialized in something, then you're doing that same thing over and over and over again. So I think that's beneficial to a team is that when you have buyer's agents and especially certain uh, areas or certain price ranges, maybe uh, that you could be do that. So you know, if I, if I could paint a picture of what a a, a a successful big team would be, is having buyers agents, listing agents, uh, areas and price ranges. You know, someone who's in the price range uh, of a certain price range. You know, seventy five thousand to 200,000 knows that kind of market better. And then if you just jumping back into, you know, all of a sudden there's a million, you know, million dollar listing or plus. So, um, yeah, it's all, it all depends upon where the leads are coming from, where the possible future business is going to be. And also finding agents in new markets. So just like you did, you just say, hey, I want to grow the team in Columbus. Obviously, going to look for uh, agents in Columbus, <laughs> one and two people with experience who know the market and, uh, and kind of finding that right person for the team. Uh, I see a lot of teams, but the one thing that I, I tell agents too is a lot of teams are are like many companies, they're just putting people on the team. they just like, they want members. Like, you know, you, we see that in many other companies, not to mention, not really in our office, not like you, Mike, you're not, you're not just getting people on your team just to say, hey, I got more people on my team. Um, there's a lot of that going on because I talked to agents at other companies that have joined our office saying, yeah, I was on this team, but didn't get anything out of it. They just said, join this team. I don't hmm. even know what the is were. They didn't even reach out. They're like, you know, if that yeah. makes
1: sense. We talk about culture a, a lot, and as it pertains to our team, you know, I think it's a smart way to grow a team to make sure that the people you're bringing on board are a good fit. You know, the, the old saying, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch or, you know, whatever. It's They become a cancer on the team. Uh, I think it's really important to really make sure you're adding the right people on the bus, as they say. Uh, but going back to the client perspective of what you just talked about, Tony, so you, you talked from an agent perspective, um, from a client perspective, when they contact a team leader, and I experience this all the time, they think they're contacting me. And then I say to them, well, you're looking to buy in the Lake County area in this price range. I have a really great teammate who knows that market well, even better than I do, um, you know, how do you, I guess the question is from the client perspective, uh, what kind of pitfalls do you see with that? You know, I mean, I know the objections I get, but um, if you were trying to explain to the client why that's a good thing, how, how would you put it? I guess that's the question I'm asking.
2: Oh, the first thing I'd say is that you get, uh, well, if you're just talking about two agents like the, this, you get two agents for the price of one. You're getting, I'm um, more, and that's what it, kind of like within the office too. I say, I'm in the office helping out. So I'm, I'm available for phone calls. This agent's more boots on the ground, going to be showing you houses. Do that, but I will be reviewing everything that they do, and I'll be here to answer questions. Just like as an office, we we have our team of support, and everybody does their job. Like in, like uh, you as a team leader, overseeing and can jump in when needed. And any of your team's clients uh, that they're working with are happy to reach out to you if need your expertise and watching over that. Same with our office. When, when agents ask you, know, how, Tony, how do you handle 500 plus agents? I go because we have a great support staff now and everybody is uh, focused in, in, in their specialties, but we're all kind of cross-trained too that we could do it. Our office. I opened up 23 years ago. I did everything: <laughs> entered listings, wrote the checks, <laughs> did uh, handled the problems. You know, so uh, it's great when you have a team leader like yourself that builds the team from the ground up. You know, from the ground up. You know, from showing houses to to hiring admins to knowing that. So that's, I guess that goes on to that uh, statement is making sure you have a team leader or someone that has done everything. Because actually I see people, you know, at other companies is joining uh, starting teams that they, they didn't do everything. They're just like, they jump right into real estate. They haven't been in it in more than a couple of years. And all of a sudden they got a team. I'm like, they, they want to have some experience behind you before you do that. To have the expertise of working with people. If, uh, hopefully that made sense. Great. Yeah, <laughs>
1: definitely. Uh, it's all about, uh, you know, if you don't have the expertise, you have to hire someone who who does. And, you know, again, looking at it from the client's perspective, I know when I have that conversation with someone, just like you said, Tony, I'm able to say, look, you don't want me to show you properties in Lake County. You know, when you want to see a new property, you want someone who, who lives close by, who's going to be able to jump quickly. Um, I love, you know, how we love our analogies, Tony, you and I both. So the analogy that I always use is a restaurant analogy. So I'll say, look, in a restaurant if there's more than just a couple of tables, you know, if it's a if it's a four-table restaurant, sure, the just like you used to do, writing the checks and handling all the admin side and doing everything. If it's a small restaurant, sure, one person can do everything. But if you want to go to a larger restaurant, you, you go there, one person seats you, one person takes your order, then the different person is cooking, and another person might clear the dishes, and then the accountant does the books. And uh, each person specializes in what they do, and it's a lot more efficient. That's what I'm getting at. When there's just one person doing it, if you're busy taking orders, you don't have time to go back and cook. And so that's what's happening. While, while we're taking your order, someone else is back there cooking. And I think it's a much more efficient model, and it serves the client better. So that's how I explain it as a team leader to clients when they question, well, how does that work?
2: Right, and that's and that's probably the number one complaint agents have when they leave a team uh, is the team leader or whoever was support is also doing the same job they're doing all of the time. Occasionally it's fine. But we all know as agents is that when you have one buyer and you're showing properties, you're like off the grid for hours, right? And then if you have to write an offer after the showing, how much time does that take? And you can't get to everything else.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team, real estate agents serving all of Ohio. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, or you're an agent looking to partner with the number two team for Century 21 in the entire U.S., contact Mike via email at mike21mike.com. at 21mike.com.
2: So, like myself, as a kind of team leader of Century 21 Homestar, I'd gave up my own buyers and sellers 10 years ago. I don't have time for it. I don't, I can't say take two, three hours of my day. So when joining a team, just say, Hey, who's my support and are they available? Are they doing the same thing? I am just like, again, that's like you said, uh, the restaurant, I love the restaurant analogy because everybody's been in restaurants and you see that and you can't, if yep. your your server needs help, the manager, uh can't be another server with their own tables, and then they don't have time to come help your clients or customers. If that- Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yep. So going back to the manager, uh, waiter, waitress analogy, I always say, look, you don't. When you need a glass of water, you don't call for the manager. You know, you're going to wait for the manager. You tell your waiter or waitress, "I need a glass of water." Um, but that's a great example that you make, where if the waiter or waitress is totally slammed. You know, the manager might step in and say, oh, by the way, I, you know, uh, so-and-so told me you're busy or they were busy. So I'm here to bring you your water. They'll be right over to take your order. It's the same thing in real estate teams. Now, from the client perspective, they're one, one of their biggest fears that I've heard over the years is, yeah, but I just want to deal with one person because I'm afraid I'm going to get lost in the shuffle of being part of a transaction with a team. Um, We've kind of talked about how if how it can be. But do you have any pointers that you would give an agent um, or or someone who works on a team how to address that concern with a client who says, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle?
2: Right. Well, then first, the agent, especially on a team, will have to make the judgment. Okay, they don't have to do all the work, but they're the voice. So on the back end, you're not going to have an admin call them to, to check up on things or ask for information or scheduling things. Everything kind of goes through the agent. Example, I mean, just popped into my head. Me personally, showing services. Like a team, I train our agents, use the showing service. You have a listing, have the showing service, but I wouldn't have the showing service call my listings. Again, if I have 30 listings, 40 listings, and I'm getting calls all day long every day and too many calls, I would have someone from the team make those calls so they have a connection with the team because when you have, uh, the voice, who's the voice? Is it coming from the team or someone else? And you and, and just like uh they're the voice of your team. So uh who's the communication? Is going to be the agent communicating, and they go, Well, hey, I'm gonna be the only one. So if the admin needs some call me and they say, Well, hey, this is a, a five hundred thousand dollar house and good commission, I'm definitely I'm okay with the extra work. (laughs) If it's a $50,000 house and it's an investor that's going to be driving you nuts uh, because they want to deal with only one person, you're like, no, you have to explain my admin is more available than I am. I'm with other clients all day long. I might not be able to get you your information quickly. So that's the reason why we use the admin for quick of response, going to the right person, skipping the middleman, So if that kind of compares that you have to have that client, you might make the decision with the client that like, okay, that's good enough. I will be the, do the extra effort there and be the voice, or you have to explain to them it's more efficient this way that this person is going to be contacting you for speed, accuracy and and, and, uh, cutting out the middleman would be me uh, in the communication, explaining that in a good way to your clients to why they should want that.
1: Yeah, to kind of put the cherry on top of that, what I always tell people is, look, I'm your agent, whether you're the teammate or whoever, I'm your agent, you can always reach me, but you have the additional benefit of having all these other people here to help. So just like you at Homestar, Tony, uh, they have you, but if they need uh, admin help, they're going to call Julia or Debbie or, you know, uh, Carly, because you're not going to go, right, and.
2: Exactly, and that's why, and to any Century 21 Homestar agents watching, uh, that's the reason why we have our office text line, and we like to communicate that, especially agents that like to text, because we all see that, yep. so we could see, you know, I might text back Julia, Debbie, Brenda, uh, Carly, We all could see the communication and we do that for ease of that. So when an agent texts us, hey, I need this, we all see it. We could see what someone else said and we could all be in the communication so I could see. So any of you texting, I could see it too. And <laughs> no one says anything bad. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like Tony's not available. Someone help me. No. Uh, so uh, being efficient and explaining that. So like agents are our clients of the office, we explain them, this is the best way to communication for speed, accuracy, and who could get to you quickest uh, instead of calling us individually. Same with the team.
1: Yeah, and especially in today's market, speed is powerful because we know how fast homes are selling. So especially if you're a buyer, speed is so important. Uh, these sessions go by so fast, Tony. The last thing I want to hit, we'll just do a quick minute or two just talking about compensation structure. I'm not going to get into specific numbers, but I know particularly agents ask about this all the time. And you know, I think the public kind of has a curiosity about how we get paid. They, it's interesting, Tony, the, the public really doesn't understand how real estate agents get paid. They think that we just get a check every week or that the broker pays us for, for working, but that's not how it works. So first off, Real estate agents are paid commission for the most part. Now, there are exceptions to that. Like we have showing agents and and there are uh, some agents that are on a particular salary or hourly rate or whatever. But in general, these are general statements here. Agents get paid when they sell a house. So if if one of your listings sells, if you rent a house, if you help someone buy a house. And when that happens, when that closes real estate agents get a commission, but technically the commissions go to the brokerage. So we all hang our licenses with a broker, Tony in this case, and the commissions come to the brokerage. Brokerages offer uh, and a variety of services and each brokerage's services are different. Um, some are more, some are less, some are just different. And so once the broker takes out a portion of a commission for their services, the rest of the commission goes to the agent or to the team. Now, if you're on a team, what usually happens after that is the team leader takes an additional portion for their services. Now, the idea, of course, you know, you say, well, Mike, there's so many hands in the pie, so many times the pie can be sliced. How does that work out? What we have found is that agents join teams because they realize that they need help with some part of their business. And by being on a team, they do Mm -hmm. more business in total. To use the pie analogy, the pie is bigger. So yeah, they only get One piece of the pie, but it's a bigger pie. Um, So I kind of rambled there for a second. Uh, Any addition to that, Tony? I think I explained it pretty well, though.
2: Oh, definitely. And uh, explaining that to clients that are interested in knowing that. And also there's uh, not to get into legal types of things. Now there's like in our listing agreements, we put on there what we're offering buyers agent. All companies don't do that a lot of companies really? I'm not going to name names in the, in our area or in Ohio, but wow. just the major they don't disclose how much they're compensating to buyers agents. and there's a, a a class action lawsuit against certain companies in the country and they're trying to go after NAR for not disclosing to your sellers of what they're going to be compensating other. People, but we already do that. So just there, uh, just having that disclosure to your sellers, knowing what they're offering a buyer's agent. They, they, we just, I think a lot of our agents just think that's just normal. But especially agents that have come over from other companies, like, well, wow, I never had that line on my listing agreement. And then if you want to explain to your 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 clients of where uh, the team is, you don't have to go over specifics. But if you give me one minute, I'd love the the comparison. When any agent, I I train, especially the new agents, uh, when someone asks you to lower your commission, I have the $6 example. Have you heard of that or seen that or I've told you about having the $6 laid out? Yeah, I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. Yeah, so basically, if you're in front of someone to say, now a little. This is my opinion. i disclosure, <laughs> or uh, that this is what I express to agents. When someone says they ask to lower the commission because they think six percent, so around six percent, you lay six dollars out. Say, listen, first off, there goes three dollars, and I'll speed this up. Three dollars goes away because we're going to compensate another agent to help. Uh, support them with their buyers and compensates for their time and to market your house and push for your house. So there goes $3 or 3%. Then you have $3 left. Then you have $1. Go, so I got to pay for taxes. Government wants money. There's $1. Then I got another dollar left that I got to pay my broker. Uh, for being licensed and be with a broker and I have to serve a service There goes another dollar. Now I got one dollar. Now this is where you get to to rip up a dollar in front of them, make a point. <laughs> if you could physically rip the dollar. It's sometimes hard for people to ruin money, but it's 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 that. And then now I have my dollar. Now I have to rip off a, a third to pay for uh, all my dues and things that I need to do and gas and and uh, my technology and all of that and then you have this part of a dollar left out and you go to a seller now which this is what I would make on your debt after all of these six are over there how much where would I cut the rest of this commission out of this little sliver that's left just rip it of, in half again and rip it in half again so and then that's another reason why uh, I help train agents to why uh, 95% of the the country uses a realtor pays the compensation and what benefits them uh, for why 95% of the people pay these commissions. So in in this market, sellers could sell their house themselves and they could do it for cheaper, but there's value in services. There's value in getting them a higher price. There's all these other values, a whole other video, but back to the whole point I was getting is explaining what the compensation is, but also explaining what the value of where you're paying all that money. You got to show value. Well, we're we're three of this percent we're sending to the buyers because they're going to be showing them. 20 houses, and they want to get compensated for their time. And we want you to make sure the buyer's agents are pushing for your house. Well, every time agents ask me, Can I just offer 1% to a buyer's agent? Well, why would they push? They have their buyers in their hand. It just hurts your seller, you know, and this is why it hurts your seller. And then and that's why all the it, other so- things that you do to be in business, just like when you go into a restaurant, why does it cost so much to eat? They have rent. They have staff they have cooks they have they have the supply they have uh the all of the things that they have to buy that to make your meal that's why we pay for it you've got to do the same thing because a lot of people like you mentioned before don't understand where all that money goes uh, for real stores they just think we're all uh, making too much money sometimes.
1: It's great to be able to explain that. And so I love that $6 uh, little scenario. So hopefully this helps people explain teams, brokerages, and helps the public understand what we do. And and as far as the value part, like you said, Tony, as always, thanks for joining us, Tony. I know you've got to get on your daily real estate workout now. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. All right. Take care, Tony. Have a good one.
0: We hope you enjoyed beer, and real estate from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team. Join us next time when Mike and Tony discuss scripts, dialogues, and geofarming. Please subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube by searching for Mike Ferrante, Cleveland Realtor. You will find videos, training, and even recipes from 21 Mike's Vegan Kitchen.